welcome back to Prime, Climb to Your Prime with Dr. Hein. Uh, it's prime time, basically. This is a mental health time. This is the time that you look forward to. Every month, we are on the same set with the one and only Dr. Heim, which we've had a special last month. Well, actually, early on this month. And as you can see, he's with us, and he's got his glorious view today. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, so again, this is a live show, as you can see. Uh, please do join us in the comment field. Uh, you know, it's it's your show. Uh, you don't have to state your name. Just just send your questions. We're going to have some questions, but please interact with us, and we'd love to hear from you. All right. That being said, Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hurricane. It's wonderful to be here once again. Yeah, well, I mean, last time we were in a different set. You know, we were in the, the Brooklyn, you know, New York City digs. Uh, that was an awesome show. And, um, you know, actually, I love that, that uh, the whole time that we did that. And um, a lot of feedback there as well. And so uh, now you've traveled around the world and you're back to, to home. Yeah, Hurricane. Beautiful. That's right. It was wonderful to work with you in real life, IRL. And it was just wonderful to be in that studio. And yeah, I think it was a special time. I loved the ground that we covered and the things that we were able to talk about. Thank you for the for the questions that you brought to us and the way you facilitated all of that. But Hurricane, now we're in Sydney. It's back to the future for us. So we're here. It's Saturday morning, Friday night for you, but we're moving forward in mental health for the people out there that need it. Yes, sir. Well, so so I, I want to just br briefly just, uh, again, we had the show Resilient Relationships. The book yeah. is still out there. Please do check it out. Um, go to my Instagram. Go everywhere. You're going to see the link. Click on it, and you get to the, the book. All right? Um, yeah, so um, mental health being the serious issue of today's life. I mean, I think everyone is suffering out there. Uh, yes. it's, I mean, I think everyone is. I'm sorry. I mean, we all are to a degree or level. We just cope with it differently. Uh, and, and so the first question I have, this is on me. Um, it's not, I'm going to read the questions in a minute. But, doctor, you know, that statement I just made, Yeah. is that really the truth that we have today? I mean, because I, I have this discussion with a lot of people. And everybody seems to have some sort of level of stress issues going on in their lives. Yes, yes. Uh, so the short answer, Hurricane, is yes, it is. We have the statistics to show that, let's say, in a three-year period, depression actually increased by 67% in people under 18, and it increased by about 27% for people over 35, but, uh, but it's on the rise. Now, i got to tell you, Hurricane, some of the experts will have uh, discussions as to whether we're just changing the definitions, if we're uh, too soft on ourselves, which is a terrible way to look at things. But uh, from our research, the mental health issues that people are going out there, uh, going on with out there, are real. The rate rises are real. And it's a very strange hurricane that we live in a society that is prospering more than it ever has. We have more material. We're able to do more things. And yet we are more anxious, depressed, and addicted to substances than we have ever been. And look, the substance addiction has increased uh, by a good 4% each year for the last uh, four or five years. And that's a worrying statistic. And the difference that I want to make is just because so many people are going through this, 
It is usual in our society, but that does not mean that it is normal. This is not what humans are supposed to be going through. We are actually supposed to be happy, healthy, and striving to get through life together. And so I want to encourage everybody out there that if you are going through mental health issues, it is difficult for you. It is still the right thing to strive to do better, to strive to become the best you that you can be. And that's what we're talking about, Hurricane. We're talking about techniques and attitudes to be able to cope with today's society so that we can have the mental health that we all should have. So, so doctor, it's funny, I'm going to state this, but we use the word resilient relationship for your book. Yes. Um, you know, but the word resilience is, is really the key word here. I mean, some people just have better way of coping, I guess, and handling themselves throughout this increased stress world, stressful world as opposed yes. to others. Yes, that's right. And so uh, we use the word re resilient. You use the word resilient. And the word resilient means the ability to be able to bounce back. So life is going to give us hits. We all take hits. But after taking the hit, we recover, we recuperate, and we bounce back. And this is why we're putting such an emphasis on relationships, Hurricane, because uh, the studies on resilience shows that if we have good relationships, and I'm talking about relationships from when we are children with our parents to when we grow up with each other, that it is these relationships that give us that ability to bounce back, that give us the ability to be able to cope with the knocks. Because, hey, life is hard. It is difficult to survive. However, we're actually built to do that. We're built to grow through the knocks so that we actually get better at coping with the next knock. Well, thank you, doctor. So, so, so the reason I, I, I started with that question is because yeah. I know there's a lot of factors that, that make life hard and difficult for us. I mean, you know, some of it is relationships, some of it is just work and, and it's still relationships and all the stuff, the finances. But now the questions I have, they have to do with, with technology. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so the first question, is there damage and harm to our mental health from bad nutrition and poor environment as well? John. Yeah. Okay. So, John, your question is, can we do um, a harm to our mental health through bad uh, environment and, uh, and a less than optimal nutrition? So the short answer is yes, but it's not the priority. The priority is actually what Hurricane just alluded to. It's technology. It's what we're doing with our brain. Uh, the food that we have actually is good quality food. And even though I know that there are too many preservatives, there are too many artificial colorings, and there's, uh, there's too much um, artificial stuff there, the nutrition that we actually have is good. So if we look at what actually affects our mental health, I wouldn't be changing my diet. I, uh, and cleaning up the environment is something that we're all working towards, but don't hold your breath, it's gonna take a while. The thing that you can do, John, right now is to look at the technology use that you're using. And I am talking about social media and screen use and actually making sure that you are getting the exercise and getting out into nature there. But most importantly, getting together with other people, not virtually, but in real life. <laughs> well, that, that's a difficult test because, you know, we're all seeing people literally 
sitting across from each other at a table and not talking to themselves. I mean, not talking to, to each other, but talking to, to somebody else that is not, not physically present. And yes. I know you had given us an advice a couple of years back, if I'm not mistaken, about putting the phones away <laughs> on yes. a table. Uh, yes. Things to help people get there. But but uh, the screen time has has an effect also because of the blue light. Yes. Is there, so th this is just, just me kind of trying to get more information potentially. Yes. Does, does that have an actual impact on your mental capacity over time? Okay. Or? okay, so it has an impact, but not so much on your mental health, but your ability to sleep, because uh, oh. it's the it's the uh, it's the cool end of the light spectrum, so the blue light rays that uh, signal to our brain it's time to stay awake. So most computers have a blue light filter so that you switch it on and it just goes a little bit brown or orange and it's a good idea to use that every night and again that's the best way to make sure you get the most sleep however i'm going to go one step further hurricane and say the best way to get sleep is to turn the screens off by about eight o'clock at night and not actually have any of that light go for a walk don't watch television um, have a nice dinner, chat with some friends, do a little bit of reading and fill your mind with uplifting stuff. Now, that's a judgment comment. Uh, what everybody thinks is uplifting is not always what's pleasurable. It's whatever you value to make you a better person in the life that you're leading. So, so doctor, listen to you. What I'm yeah. gathering is that most of the mental peace comes as a residual of, of the activities that you do because yes sleeping well because you're doing this is going to affect you ultimately it's going to give you stress give you you know a little bit of a different way of, of, of reacting to, to things right uh, yeah. when, when you're not social with people you're missing on that action so yes. you're really you know almost eliminating that real connection and i love what you said doc go out there meet with people for real not, not just, you know, social distancing. I mean, this is real social distancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Seeing somebody over the internet is the biggest social distance you can have. Yeah, well. And I know before we talked, Doctor, about the chemistry of the brain and how the energy, and that's actually, there's a question coming up about energy, so I'm going to leave that to, to a minute later. Yeah. Next question. Yes. Before you go on to the next question, I just want to tie in some of the important things that you just said to okay. John's question, because uh, John talked about uh, nutrition and the environment, and then we got on to sleep. And so um, what, I, uh, what I'm able to say is to get good sleep, we actually need to limit our screen use. And the thing about nutrition is the science is saying it's not so much what we eat, but how we eat. So 50 years ago, it was normal for people in a household to eat a meal together every night together. And what happens there is you laugh, you might have an argument or two, but it's that feeling of being together and belonging together that actually makes the food go down really well and gives a positive spin on your nervous system. You actually activate your parasympathetic nervous system to have the good food. So again, the way we eat, John, rather than what we eat becomes important. And the way that we need to be eating is with other people so that our digestive juices are working, we are relaxed and we are enjoying life. So I just wanna tie in that good eating and good sleeping are all very important, but the basis of that is actually 
keeping the screen technology down, particularly just before we go to sleep, and to spend time with people and to cook with people and to eat people and, dare I say it, wash up with people. So that <laughs> it's, a, it's a full experience, eating with people and enjoying each mouthful while you're watching somebody else enjoy their mouthful. That becomes a peak experience of life, actually. Simple but important. Well, doctor, some some of the new generation may not have experienced that. Unfortunately, I mean, it is it is a sad it is as sad as it sounds, but but a lot of the youth they, they don't have that relationship. Maybe some families do, but but you'll find more and more of the kids kind of isolated. Um, yeah, fast food. They're in front of the screen, you know, for many hours. Listen, I I can speak, you know, even by my kids, you know, I constantly try to get them all out of there and have some, you know, family time. But there are times where they're literally just, you know, in their room and uh, I call it like the dungeon. <laughs> you and, know, and hurricane, hurricane, we have the evidence. The studies are very clear. We are eating less meals together. Children are eating meals alone or in front of screens. And the, uh, the studies link the disintegration of people eating together directly with mental health, particularly in teenagers. Teenage mental health goes down when family meal time goes down. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, yeah, I mean, I, it's amazing that I hear you say, and I'm sure people watching and listening right now, I mean, that's, that's some scary stuff because it is literally, you know, coinciding to the same fact and, and, and is a fact, factual thing. And so we know that is a problem. I think I think what we need to do is maybe encourage people, if you're watching or listening, try to get busier with your friends and family and get, you know, especially your kids, you know, try to get things. Done. Again, I, believe me, and it's difficult because I have, you know, teenagers. Yeah, and I try yeah it is difficult. To get them to move because they're connected with other folks that are yeah. in the same position. And so you're taking them away from that time. And for them, that's like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Uh, but but in reality, you're you're trying to help them be better. Yes, and, and really behave in a natural way. Yes. So let me turn that into a technique so that people have something practical that they can do about this. And uh, so in in my video on YouTube, I talk about turning off the mobile phone for dinner time. But if you are in a household, if you are let's say a parent in a household, or you live with other people sharing, somebody has to drive the dinner time experience to say, hey, we got to get together and have meals together. we got to enjoy ourselves. And you negotiate a time from 7 to 8 o'clock every night. We're together. We're having dinner. And somebody actually has to drive it, which means it takes the energy. And if you're going to be the person to do that, know that you are doing all that you can for the mental health of not only yourself but everybody in that household. But it takes somebody to drive it. And I challenge people out there to – Put your hand up to be the person to drive the evening meals so that people eat together and improve their mental health together. So, so doctor, you mentioned the evening meals specifically yeah. a couple of times. What, what, what does that mean in, in, in correlation to the other meals? Is there is there a, a need for those as well? <laughs> or, or like the behavior should be equal or at least the net one is the most important one? Okay, so uh, the principle is the more time spent together in mealtime, the better. Uh, so studies are showing that where 40 years ago, uh, a child could expect to have five or six meals together uh, in the evening, it's now down to one or zero. So 
the first thing to do is to get that evening meal together because you can talk about the day, how the day went and what you're going to do for the evening. But beyond that, then perhaps it's time to go for a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday morning brunch. And then perhaps you look at the breakfast times and you see, can we have breakfast together? Uh, but let's get the evening meal in first because that's actually the easiest one to work with. Because uh, we live in a society where almost everybody gets up in the morning and goes into their day at their pace. So the evening meal is the easiest one to do. But then we ought to look at a Sunday brunch or breakfast in the morning. The more, the better. If you get to the stage where you're having three meals a day together, that would be absolutely wonderful. All right. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. I mean, you know what, doctor, it's, it's amazing, but it's it's it doesn't it's a beautiful thing to be in in with people i mean you said it when we got together it was different i mean it was just yeah, yeah. it was beautiful getting together with you hurricane yeah yeah i'm saying but you know like but that's i mean we we were looking forward to it but like even with maybe maybe are people tired of each other is that what it is <laughs> they need to be apart for a minute to actually feel better about being together i don't know is that the case that, uh, okay so i'll explain exactly what it is because um there is something that's happened that has never happened in all of human history before you see, when you pick up a uh, an iPhone or if you uh, open a screen, you actually get more of a dopamine hit than being with a person. And that is actually dangerous because it actually means that our brains say, I want to be on the screen rather than with people. And then people actually start saying, we have studies where uh, teenagers have said this, we would rather be on a screen than with people. And the reason that they say that is, because of the dopamine hits, because it feels better just in that moment. However, the problem is that you're actually starting to ruin your mental health and lose your relationship. So in the long term, you're doing yourself damage, but you don't feel that straight away. So that's why it takes actual effort. And Hurricane, we also have studies to show that humans actually like each other. And if we had more exposure to each other, we would actually like each other more. So there is a way to get over all the conflict in our society through exposure to each other. And one of the reasons that we're not getting that is because we have these screens and these phones that are giving us more dopamine hits than being with each other. But when it comes to a full dose of brain chemicals, and I'm talking about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and beta endorphins, the only thing that gives you that full dose and a full feeling of belonging to the human race is being with other people. So, so doctor, is it safe to say that maybe two generations back, the children and the people were happier people, less stressed people? Hurricane, we actually have the studies to show that what you just said is right. So I'm going to go to a particular study. We call it a seminal study because it gave us good information. It was done in the 1990s. And what this study showed was that the average child at home in the USA in the 1980s was more anxious than a child in the 1950s that was taken to see a psychiatrist because people were afraid that they were anxious. Now, we haven't done a study like that since 1990, but our society has only gone more in that direction. We know that people are becoming more anxious. In fact, the generation that is coming up and are just starting, let's say, university or college at the moment, are more anxious for a number of reasons. The main reason, they haven't had the people contact. They went through COVID, which meant that they went through months and months 
of decreased contact with people. A lot have been put in daycare, and that's a controversial area, I've got to say, Hurricane, and there's mixed evidence, but the evidence overall is clear that it means that they haven't had that stability of nurturing from a caregiver one-on-one. And also at school, play and just enjoying yourself during your free time has been curtailed because we're afraid that children will hurt themselves. And guess what? They do. But because of that, it means that children are actually playing less with each other. So I'm adding up the early life experience together with the schoolyard experience, together with the COVID experience. And all of those experiences are in being away from people in real life that really care for you. And this is heartbreaking, Hurricane, when you think about it. And it makes for a generation that is more anxious. So exactly what you said, we have the studies to show that people are actually much more anxious than they were two generations ago. And that's in a society that's more prosperous and better than ever. Wow. I mean, now, now is there, I mean, ultimately, the solution is clear. We need to just, you know, maybe stay away from the technology when we don't have to. We need to spend yeah. more time together. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's the clear and what the problem is that there is no end in sight i would say because it looks yeah. like we're just getting more into i mean we, we're talking about meta right like the meta you know concept yeah. like in facebook and all this stuff and the yeah. the visors and the virtual realities that might be the next reality i mean literally where you'll be more living in in that space than the actual world now it's cool and i can see some application for it but I think it will create more of those anxieties and more of these, I guess, psychiatry, you know, concepts whereby now you might have more crime. Uh, and I'm not sure if there is a, you know, a link, you know, with crime, but that may be something that can pop out of that one. I mean, today we have a lot of people that are doing bad things. So we've talked about shootings and, 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 yeah. and crazy stuff, you know, before. So, yeah. so, I mean, the solution is really in the hands, but, but are we willing to make that change? I think that's the question that people have to ask. Do I need to live a happier life? And here's the other thing that I, I tell them, you know, you enjoy it now, but in 10, 20 years from now, would you be enjoying it and how your health will look like? And yeah. so I think that's another question that we need to be aware of. Okay, okay, that's, that's actually really good because uh, that leads to a discussion on what we can do about it. And as a psychiatrist, Hurricane, um, I encourage individuals to make choices so that their own lives can be better. However, there are still things that we can do as a society that would actually improve everybody's life. Uh, and so we've got to work on these two levels. So individually, I'm here telling people to spend more time with people close and to spend less time on screens and entertainment technology. But as a society, could you imagine that if we had, let's say, a couple and if they were working three days a week each, they would actually have a higher quality of life because let's say in the 50s or the 60s where we had one person working 40 hours a week and the other person staying home full time, we now have a situation where both of the couple feel that they have to be out full time, which means that the home environment, the place where people meet, is being neglected. Now, in the aims of equality, if we actually had a two-person household where they were working three days a week each, that means that you could still nurture a home environment 
and materially that's where the sacrifice would need to be made but you would get those meals together every day you would get even breakfast together every day you would get shared entertainment and a feeling of belonging that a lot of people are not getting in our society so the message from that hurricane is there are things that society can do and there are things that you can do as an individual and we've got to work on both we got to do the work and we need to be aware and i think that's the key you know elements we need to 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 to, to take care of now Doctor, so this this question here is a technical question. I am a telecom. First of all, are we good with that question? With John? Oh, we're great. We're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Thanks. <laughs> it's all right. I'm a telecom employee. I work around towers. I'm concerned about the amount of of EMFs or electromagnetic, you know, um, frequencies. Um, is there a correlation a correlation of EMFs? And so, or cell phones are used to our brain waves, and if yes, can it affect how our brain chemicals work? Samantha. Okay, so uh, Samantha, thank you for your question. Unfortunately, Samantha, um, I'm not the right person to answer that question, okay, because you're talking specifically about damage to the brain through uh, uh, electromagnetic um, waves, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking for the evidence uh going back to studies but uh from what i believe it is inconclusive but uh what i'm saying may not be the uh the latest findings and it would actually need to be a neurologist or a neuroscience or actually a scientist who works in the field of uh electromagnetism that would be able to give you that answer so i'm sorry about that samantha for your mental health I can tell you that it's worth you going after that answer, finding the answer through the right person and the right channels so that you can have that answer laid to rest for you because it'll give you less anxiety every day to know that the work that you're doing is safe. Also, there'd be people at work that you could talk to about that because that's an occupational health and safety issue. Uh, and there's one thing I've got to say, we live in a world where we value people's safety. So Samantha, we value your safety and get that information. Uh, so this one is a little bit all different topic. I'm a small business owner and I found out that my closest friends are the ones, uh, no, that my closest friends are not the one who support me uh, or to support me the least. I simply look down on any progress or attempt uh, to thrive. I have heard many public speakers quote that, but but never believed them until now. Um, what do people have? Uh, what why do people behave this way? And how can I push through this and not become disappointed and lose faith in my abilities and potential success? Okay, so Hurricane, correct me if I'm wrong, but the answer is basically saying that uh, this person does not feel supported by their close friends. Yes, and uh, and so the the choice is often what do I do? Do I say goodbye to my close friends? Do I cut off contact? And uh, there there are a lot of video clips and uh, speakers on social media that say get rid of toxic people in your life. And uh, look, I I agree with that. If there's a toxic situation in your life, you have to put up boundaries at least. That doesn't mean that you've got to cut off completely, but you've got to cut off how much these people affect you. However, the question is. How toxic is toxic? Uh, sometimes your best friends can be jealous of what you do. Sometimes your best friends can be unsupportive because they just wish that they had something good going on in their life. 
And so I would not be leaving friends because they're being human beings. Because guess what? You're a human being too. You're capable of being angry, depressed, jealous, or just a little bit envious. And so sometimes friends are not as important, oh, sorry, are not as supportive as you would like them to be. So this takes a judgment call as to how close these people are going to be. Um, I'm not one for cutting off relationships, but it's good to know who are actually your supportive people. So you end up spending more time, more intimate time. And what I mean by that is you actually share more of yourself with them. And then there are some people who, let's say, is that relative that you just don't get on well with, or that friend that is part of your friendship circle. But you know what? You realize they're just being a bit of a snake as when it comes to you. And you just keep your distance. You just keep that hand up there to protect yourself. So I, I hope that kind of covers it because we do want to uh, achieve as individuals, but we want to keep a friendship circle together as well, which does mean some compromise and some thinking about who we have close and who we just keep at a distance sometimes. And sometimes you can actually have an honest discussion about it, but not always. Well, so, so doctor, I, I hear you, and but here, here's my, my concern about this, is that you, have, you open a business, right? Yeah. And you do expect that your friends and your immediate family are the first ones to support you. Yes. Yet, in this case, you know, the question is stating that that person is not seeing that value from the people around them. Yep. They're not supporting them. Uh, they're not giving him anything that, that, that makes sense, you know, in terms of the support. They're not buying from him. <laughs> so, so oh, yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, you know, at least that's what I'm gathering because, yeah, yeah. and 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 I and I hear this a lot, you know. And I, I think um, I made this 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 uh, comment the other day on a different show about Elon Musk talking about we should celebrate people who are starting their own businesses by doing like you know business showers, just like we do like you know baby showers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the idea is that you you think that your immediate entourage should be your first support system to help you, but yet in this case you see the opposite, and yes. and I, I I'm I'm almost in towards that the latter part that there's many people that may not support you in your close circle. You cannot you cannot really rely on them as much as you would think. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So what you're saying is quite right. Uh, and look, I can extrapolate that to say there are many situations where you want the close people to you to support you and they don't. So we're talking about opening a business. We're talking about marrying somebody that uh, your uh, family may not like. We're talking about doing a lot of travel that your family don't think you should be doing. Or we're talking about pursuing a, a hobby or an interest or a passion that people think that you're wasting money on, right? So this comes down to individual values. And all of us as an individual need to follow our dreams. And unfortunately, the people who are closest to us can sometimes pour water on our dreams. Uh, and the idea is go for your dreams. You've got to go for your dreams. But you see, people will pour water on your dreams, not by telling you, I don't like what you're doing, but in a passive way, by saying, oh, yeah, all the best with it, but then never buying for you uh, from you. Or, oh, yeah, all the best with it, but not talking to your spouse. And all these things that undermine you. And unfortunately, Hurricane, people cannot share our vision 
all the time. And so what I encourage people to do as individuals is to stick to your vision. Uh, now, as far as how close the other people are going to stay to you, I like to see the people around us uh, like a target. If you can imagine a target in your mind, you will have a core person or an inner group of people who are just going to be close to you no matter what. And even if they disagree with something that you do, they're going to support you because they trust you and they're just going to be with you. And then as you go out from that center of the target, people care about you less and less and they understand you less and less. So friends tend to be closer, acquaintances tend to be further away. And the thing is yourself. The idea is to make sure that you get less influenced by the people who are further away from you or who don't support you. And if it's somebody really close, like a mother, a father, a sibling, or a close friend that doesn't support your business, the thing to do is to talk about that with your inner circle. Talk about it with your spouse, with the people who are close to you to say, hey, I don't think they're being supportive. And they say, well, I believe in you. Go after your dream, no matter what other people think. So you've got to dare to be yourself. And other people will either go with you and be convinced, oh my gosh, I didn't think this business could be a success. Or they will just back away a bit because they can't cope. But quite frankly, Hurricane, that's their problem, not yours. To thine own self be true, said Shakespeare. And you know what? I think he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> well, so, so, Doctor, there's a couple of things there, right? Um, and I, I, can, I can see this. I mean, probably one of the reasons is, as you said, they don't believe in your vision. Right. Yes. And nothing's got to stop your vision. I mean, that's my personal thing. Yeah. I see where I'm going. I see where I'm heading. And you're right. People are not going to see what's in your mind and how you see it. They see what they can see from what you tell them. That's, that's one. Right. But I think there's a level. You talked about envy or envious earlier. I think you mentioned the word. Um, you know, there might be a level oh, of that. I missed that. Uh, we had a bad connection. Oh, I, I said about... uh, envy or envious. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, right. so, so I'm assuming that there is a level of that because when you're, I guess, embarking in a journey of a business, I, I can tell you it's not easy. You yes. know, uh, it's difficult, but people still, because they didn't do it, they look at you like, well, you're not going to make it because, you know, that's how they see it. They couldn't do it or they didn't want to do it because they were afraid, but you're not afraid. Yet there's that. And sometimes it's just the fact that, well, why are you doing it? You know, and, that's and that because right. the jealousy, or, and, and I think we covered jealousy before. I think that's got to do with that, you know. It uh, has very, very much so. In fact, uh, this is uh, so we have studies that look, let's say, at sibling rivalry. Uh, and uh, this is why your siblings are often are supportive, but they can often be also a problematic relationship in your life. Because if you grow up in the same family, then the people around you become a yardstick, a measurement as to how well you are doing. So if somebody who is close to you is doing well, then other people think that they are not doing as well. Same with close friends. We tend to have friends that are in the same economic strata as we are, the same demographic, the same uh, values, uh, and basically the same geographic area. So if they see that you're doing a bit better, they then sort of think, oh, I'm not doing as well. And so naturally there is going to be some competition. And the thing is that it's how you handle it. Because as I said, we are all human. We are all capable of being envious uh, and even angry. But that's where we need to 
choose gratitude and we have to choose humility because you know what? People are going to do better than you somewhere in life and you're going to do better than somewhere else, uh, somebody else somewhere in life. So rather than being uh, envious and bitter when somebody does better or to get really uh, self-centered when you're doing well, you can actually choose to be humble when you see somebody else doing better and grateful when you see that you are doing better than others. And that's the importance of choice, choosing humility and gratitude over resentment, envy, and self-importance will make for a more rounded, better you. So, so thank you. Like, well, here, here's the thing that I, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, but now, so that's the beginning of things, right? When you're starting a business, that may be the case. Now, what happens, yeah. and it's just me extending this, what happens when you become successful eventually? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, I, I, I see this happen where people tend to become more friendly or closer at that point. I mean, yes. they're not in the initial, you know, stages, but they want to come back in in your life when you make yes. it. Why yes. is that? I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, uh, strangely enough, Hurricane, these things are actually culturally informed. Uh, so, in the United States, there is this pioneering spirit where we want people to make it. I mean, we all want to be the person who makes it, all right? But we are all striving for that. And we tend to want to be close to people who are influential because it kind of lifts us a bit. However, there are a lot of countries in the world. And I'm uh, thinking specifically about Eastern European countries and uh, and uh, even Australia, where you know what there's what's called a cut down the tall puppy syndrome. Look, for us to get on together, it's actually better if we're all the same. So don't go trying to think that you're better than anybody else because we're in this together. And so there are advantages and different and disadvantages to each way of looking at it. But the aim in life is to wish everybody well. So if you see somebody who's doing well, wish them well genuinely, because one of the problems that people have when they become successful is, as you say, they don't know that people want to be close to them because they're successful or because they're genuine friends. And you need to know who your genuine friends are. And they're the ones that will stick by you if you're doing well or you're not doing well. And sometimes it's more difficult for people to stick with you when you're doing well rather than when you're doing unwell. All right. Hey, doctor, I mean, you know, you, you talked about gra gratitude and being yeah. great. <laughs> you know, that's that's not too difficult, yet it is difficult. It's amazing. How yeah. that is contradictory. Yeah, that's, that's you, well expressed. You, you can be so well, you know, grateful of everything by just saying thank you and being happy for people. Yeah. But it's difficult. I mean, I think I think it's just our personality. I was our our makeup is different. You know, it's it's like made where we don't want to tell people like, hey, you're doing great. <laughs> hey, that's I'm grateful right. for your success. Why? Is, I mean, is there like, is that like an innate something that in human nature? Yeah, it points to some uh, something about how the brain works, okay, because the brain is designed to help us survive, but not only survive, but to thrive, to get better all the time, better and better. So the brain actually changes when our, let's say, our economic uh, circumstances change. So if you take somebody who is in a country where they barely have enough to eat and you sit them down for a macaroni and cheese 
uh, dinner, they are going to be so grateful because their brain does not expect to have a meal like that. However, if you live in a place like New York City and you're used to going out every night and having a different cuisine and, and uh, partaking of some of the best meals that there are in the city, and somebody says, look, why don't you come over to our place and they serve you macaroni and cheese, your brain gets disappointed. And it says, what are these people? Don't they know how to serve us properly? So it has to do with the expectations and the expectations are built into our brain depending on the environment that we find ourselves around. And so what happens in our brain is we have brain chemicals that will respond to what our expectations are. For example, if you are a great runner and you expect to win the race, but you become second, you don't end up being grateful. You end up being ang angry. But if you get into a final and you thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I never thought I'd make it this far. And you come second last rather than last. You go, hey, that is fantastic. I didn't expect to be there. So that person who comes second last ends up being happier than the person who comes second. So we need to manage our expectations and as much as possible, use our orbitofrontal cortex to make the choice for gratitude whenever we can. And as you said, Hurricane, it sounds easy, but it's actually difficult. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's like it, it takes a lot of work, I guess. Yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot of work. Yeah. All right. So, so um, I think we're good. By the way, that was David. Sorry. Okay. I, Thank you, David. I, I, I need I need my gloves. One is <laughs> so tiny. Okay. So I was I was having a little struggle there. But all right. Next question. Oh, so this goes to the energies. What does psychology think of energy and frequencies? We hear that people share energy, good and bad. Is there a link, a link and an effect? Okay, so uh, Hurricane, uh, who, who asked that question? Uh, can I have a name? Just Scott. Scott, okay, thanks, Scott. So Scott's question has to do with energies and frequencies. And so we end up in an area that we call pseudoscience, right? Uh, because there is something called the law of attraction where people think if they change their energies, then they will attract certain things into their life, right? And what this sort of information makes use of is some fundamental truths of science, some scientific laws. So uh, fundamentally, we do know that the world is made of energy, and that Einstein actually let us know that energy and matter are actually the same thing. So that everything, in a sense, is energy. Uh, and that everything ha re uh, revolves around, okay, so the electron revolves around a, a nucleus in a certain frequency. And so we know that matter gets its being through the energy that is happening on a subatomic level. However, that doesn't mean that the law of attraction is a law in science. It's what we call a pseudoscience. So if you make yourself a more grateful person or a more humble person, I would say that that is good for your mental health. Some people would say that you are working at a different frequency. And in a way, the language doesn't matter. What matters is that you actually become more grateful because if you become more grateful, you know what? 
people will actually like you more because you're a nicer person to be around. You make them feel better. They will want to come closer to you. And in that sense, people think, well, you're attracting other people. But what's actually happening is you have actually made your brain change so that you become more attractive to other people. So the language doesn't matter, Hurricane or Scott. Uh, this <laughs> idea of frequency or vibration is based on science but can go into what we call pseudoscientific areas. But as a psychiatrist, I know that if you strive for humility and gratitude, then you are going to be around people much more often and that that as our studies say, is going to be good for your mental health and for the mental health of those around you. Thank, thank you, Doug. So, so the, the, the thing that I notice in general, right, is, and we, we talk about this all the time, about energy, like in a room, uh, yeah. energy when you meet with people. And sometimes yeah. you, get, you get the wrong vibe. Like you can be with yeah. someone in the same place and you just don't click at all. There is no, and sometimes it's just like so, it's almost like contagious. <laughs> you happen to be like really like hyped up with somebody else in the same space with you. Yeah. And, and, you know, but that's, that's really stuff that you point. I mean, the world is full of energy. We are, we, we can sense those things. Uh, you can even yeah. feel bad things that are happening. Sometimes you got, we call the gut feeling or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. So let me go deeper into the brain about that hurricane, because what you said is totally right. And uh, I can use some scientific terms, that, uh, that we know actually exist. And we've actually had studies to actually pinpoint where gut feeling works, or at least we have a workable theory anyway. And it works in an area of the brain, part of my favorite, called the anterior cingulate gyrus. Now, the anterior cingulate gyrus just means the front bit of a bulge that happens to be in the inside of your brain. But this is where empathy is processed in the brain and it's a part of the brain where we get on with other people and this is where and the scientific terms are limbic resonance where what happens is the limbic system of our brain resonates with another limbic system in somebody else's brain so if you just look at somebody you pick up their vibe if you like now vibe is not a scientific term all right. But limbic <laughs> resonance is a scientific term. And you know what, Hurricane, to me, it's the same thing. All right. Uh, I, I can pick up the vibe in a room. You pick up the vibe in a room. Uh, we don't have to go around saying this, that we're working in limbic resonance. We all experience the same thing. And through eye contact, through listening to somebody's tone of voice, through looking at their posture and their behavior, we pick up their vibes. So we pick up what their anterior cingulate gyrus is putting out to the world as to how they actually feel at the time and our brain responds. And this goes back to a series of studies that were done in the early 1990s in Italy to show that we are much more connected and we respond to each other on a much finer scale than we ever thought existed. And so this is the science of uh, mirror neurons and limbic resonance, and we are still working on this because we do not understand it fully, but we do know that people who are close experience much more of this than people who are distant. Woo! <laughs> <Well, nice. laughs> 
<laughs> that, that's why we have you, man. You got to break it down to us. <laughs> wow, man. You know, I, I, I enjoy this stuff. <laughs> All right, folks, listen, I mean, you're in front of the, one of the best in the world. And what, what, what we hear here is from the source. We get the real, I mean, real, the real McCoy, as we say, right? It's the, is that as, as good as it gets. Uh, so, so, doctor, I, I'm going to go into the next question now. And let me get that phone closer. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you hit a certain age, right? <laughs> okay. So uh, this is going to sound funny. I know the value of this question. Uh, why, what, why are people becoming zombies and, <laughs> as they are immersed in the devices on the road, crossways, stairs, etc.? They have become one-handed humans. Is this some sort of a programming, Jane? Okay, Jane. Jane, that's an amazing question. That is such a great question, Jane. Okay, so firstly, I need to look at where we got the word zombies. And we got the word zombies from our entertainment, from science fiction, from the idea that we could actually get to a stage where humans become less human, they become just the material walking shells rather than thinking, feeling, desiring, loving human beings that's what a zombie is a zombie in a sense is a shell rather than a full human being so jane to your question how did we get to the stage where we were becoming zombies firstly we got the idea of a zombie and we have been watching zombies for such a long time plus the social media does have an effect on our brain that we do not like to admit it is making us focused on what the social media wants us to focus on. So we get certain images, we get bombarded with images, we get certain sounds, we get bombarded with sounds. And what happens in the brain is rather than getting sensitized to the actions of other people, we actually get dulled because there are so many colors, so many images and so many sounds going into our brain so quickly through screen technology that we get a filter and the filter happens in the thalamus and the thalamus is the part of the brain that's a gatekeeper that says i'm going to let this in or i'm not going to let this in and what happens is we become so focused on our entertainment and on the uh, media messages and on images and sounds that we shut off the mirror neuron effect that i just talked about for the last question we shut off hearing somebody else who says it's dinner time because you come to dinner jane you know or <laughs> if, no i'm serious this is what happens or the person that you love could enter the room and you don't notice i mean that's a bizarre situation somebody that can make you feel amazing you won't notice because your eyes and your ears are fixed on a screen and that is part of the zombie process so if you take that process and you repeat it day in day out we have studies to show that people who uh, use social media very heavily and i'm talking about eight or ten hours a day after a year their anterior cingulate gyrus so the part of them that creates the empathy so that you're sensitive to other people it shrinks hurricane it shrinks so another way of looking at it is to use James to say they are becoming zombies that is seriously what is happening jane's word sorry it shrinks physically it physically shrinks 
You wow. look at the brain and the brain area that creates the empathy is smaller in these people, which means they then have less ability to notice and respond to the people around them, which means they're going to do it less and they're in a negative cycle. And unfortunately, we are all in this cycle a little bit, which is why I spend so much time, uh, Hurricane, saying two things. Limit the screen technology and keep time together with people in real life. <laughs> well, Doctor, you know, it's funny because the, the, the fact that, that you mentioned these facts in, and this was a study done over a, a period of one year. So if yes. these people continue doing this over 10 years, I mean, yes. they'll literally become true zombies. I mean, I'm talking about they'll be literally just in a zone. I yes. mean, that, that, is, that is scary. I mean, to even imagine that. I mean, yep. I, when you were talking about it, I, it sounded like hypno, hip, hypnosis in a way. But yes. this is beyond that. I mean, this is like where you're completely off. This is beyond hypnosis because this is physical, this is biological, this is a part of the brain that we can measure, and we know that it shrinks if you do not use it. But the good news, Hurricane, is the good news is that it grows if you use it. So anybody out there making the decision to say, I'm going to be on the screen for two hours a day rather than four, and I'm going to spend an extra two hours a day with people that I love talking laughing, enjoying parties with them without documentation, without anything interfering. I'm going to turn that screen off for my dinner time. I'm going to have a technology-free day every day, and I'm going to prioritize people and love in my life. We would actually be able to measure after a year that their anterior cingulate gyrus grows and becomes better. So you become a more empathic person. You become a more sensitive person. You become a more feeling person. You become a more sociable per person because your brain has grown the networks that are needed because you're doing so much of it. Oh, boy. Well, well, doctor, here, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, I literally personally have this, this practice. I take my phone and I leave it somewhere else you know, after a certain point, I don't touch it. I don't care who emails, what does, you know, no text, no emails, no connection. I don't do anything. It's done. When I go on vacation, it's the same thing. Yeah. I barely touch my phone, you know, and yeah. I do it, you know, almost on, every, on a daily basis. So yeah. I, it, it's a practice. It takes a lot. I mean, it is addictive to a degree. You want to look to see what's going on. And, yeah. you know, again, I know uh, in a few shows back, we talked about how between, from the time of technology to now, You've seen a huge impact on the on the mental health aspect of things, and and, and this is becoming the reality of life. But it's it's really yeah. there are tools to it. I love yeah. what you said about continuously talking about being with people, being more interactive. That people can eventually gain their their brain capacity if they yeah. actually you know apply different techniques to 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 shrink the time that they spend on the screen. By the way, you yeah. mentioned after eight hours. I mean, that's that's the study, but there are people that that spend a lot more than that in a day. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, eight hours is nothing, man. <laughs> man I, didn't want, uh, I didn't want to make people feel bad, Hurricane. Okay, but, but the catchphrase in neuroscience, in what we call neuroplasticity, about how to change the brain is use it or lose it. 
So use your capacity to be with people and relate to people. Use your empathy. Use your gratitude. Use your humility, or you're going to lose it. And that that is just true of any skill that we have as human beings. Use it or lose it. Well, Doctor, and, and you're right. I mean, everybody knows that if you don't walk, your muscles will shrink. If you don't work out, you know, right. you, you know, everything. If you don't practice a language, it escapes. Same concept here. If you're not practicing the right stuff, your brain is not going to function. Like everything else, it's exercise. It's repetition. You know, That's, it's, right. uh, That's exactly what it is. So I'm just encouraging people to do the repetition so that they can climb to their prime in their mental health. <laughs> I love it. That's good. <laughs> well, there's no reason why that was your 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 title. I mean, that's that's an impressive title and it works. <laughs> that's good. It, it is. I mean, it's it's a powerful and you know what? We want to be in our prime at all times. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Good. <laughs> and using Jane's words, being in your prime is not moving towards being a zombie, right? We have to move away from being zombies so that we become full thinking, feeling, loving human beings that can relate to each other. That's what we actually want. That's what makes life feel good. And I'll go back to something that I said earlier, that the danger is that we now have a tool that gives us more instant pleasure, more dopamine than being with people. So that means that we intentionally need to make the choice to be with people because if we just leave it to our automatic brain, our automatic brain says, could I get back on that screen, please? And I'm talking about myself too, Hurricane. That happens to me too. So I have to work at it. Well, well so, so here's a good news. Just for someone who may criticize, well, you guys are talking about all this, but you actually were seeing you through, through a screen right now. You do have yes. the option to listen to us. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. That's right. And we don't have any choice, Hurricane, but we're hoping that we're part of the time that somebody consciously chooses to say, this is good for me, right? And that they'll knock out something else, uh, like let's say uh, another three episodes of their favorite show, okay, just for today so that they can spend more time with people. It's all got to do with priorities. We're not saying cutting off completely or else what we're doing is impossible. Well, doctor, again, everything in due measure, right? Everything has yeah. to be in the right measurement. You know, you, everything in excess is a problem, right? You yes. can't be extreme. And so it's understanding that and being able to to detach from things. But that's a, that takes a lot of work. I mean, it's like everything else, right? You got to practice that I can connect, I can disconnect, you know, as opposed to like, I'm in the zone and that's it. And then literally over time, it become like, I mean, I can tell you this. I don't get it. I see people walking in the street, crossing, literally, and in traffic, not even looking left or right. They're just in the phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. many people, a lot of people lost their life that way, you know, and, right. and, and it's happening more often than you think. I see people walking and, and misstepping on stairs because they're on the phone. I mean, you're coming down the stairs, take your phone out of your, your sight, you know, and make sure you walk yeah. away. I mean, these okay. are like different things. Common sense, right? Yeah, no, it's common sense. But how do we get these things working in our brain? And I talk about this uh, on the video clip a, uh, a bit. You need to have a purpose. Uh, so. I, I ask people to start with their values and I'm making an assumption that people value the close people around them and that they value their mental health. That's why they're listening to us, Hurricane. And from your values, you generate goals, okay? So my goal is to spend two hours a day less on social media than I do at the moment 
And I will do that by taking off 15 minutes every week so that in eight weeks I will be at my goal. That is a good way of doing it. Or another goal is I want to walk around town without my ear pods in and without my head in a screen. How am I going to do that? Just occasionally, I'm going to leave my phone at home and I'm going to see what that feels like. And I'm going to do that for half an hour a day or for my walk to college or whatever it happens to be. And you practice and you practice because when you use it, you won't lose it. So you practice and then all of a sudden you're enjoying walking to college because you can hear the people, the cars, you can feel the air, you can uh, look at the sky, see a few birds and you're going, wow, that's actually a good experience. And then you're giving your brain dopamine that it doesn't get while it's on the screen. And all of a sudden, you're actually a happier person. Hmm. You can be grateful for that. All right. Well, Doctor, it's always it's always fun and, and a pleasure to have you on. I mean, we've come to the end of the show today. I got a few other questions. We'll table those to the next one. Yeah. Um, uh, and by the way, uh, just as a disclaimer, I, I have a different set right now for this show. So I look like a little baby face there. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the true me, but hey, just just to get that out of the system, I'll take it <laughs> for its worth. <laughs> but that's about it. Uh, so, doctor, you know, thank you so much for for the value as always, and, and and the insights and the real you know core things that we can apply in real life. Uh, and again, folks, this is your show. Continue sharing your information, the, the questions. Please do interact with us. We want to hear from you. Uh, we can have you also call in, you know, in the next few. You can call in as well and, and interact with us live. All right. Um, so I'm Hurricane H with Dr. Heim here, the one and the only, um, from the land down under and 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 the the Harbor Bridge behind him. And um, we'll be talking again at the end of next month. So it'll be the last Friday of August. Um, so just look forward to that show. It will be great. We have a set of questions, but please come on and. By the way, if someone wants to actually come on the show with us and maybe be live with us, you can. I can I can post the the the, the link into the show. Come in as long as you're you're participating you know, properly. You're welcome to join us. What do you think, Doc? I'm all for it, Hurricane. All right, all right. That's it, folks. Uh, this is it. We'll be talking uh, in a few weeks. Bye for now. <laughs>